Jackson, he toe drags, shoots, scores! Oh, unbelievable! Right at point, wins the game in overtime. An incredible move! <laughs> yes, welcome back to the Lightning Bolt for Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. The last episode of the calendar year. Man, has it been that long? Feels like we just started last week. I am Johnny Pipes coming to you from Miami. Thank you for joining us again. Across the virtual street from the Harbor of Palm is my boy Gannon. What's going on, buddy? I can't believe we're on the last episode of the year already. I know. We need to do a best of. The next episode will be a best of. Yes, yeah. How about that? Cool. We got a lot to talk about tonight, mostly centering around last night's uh, amazing hockey game. We uh, we. The Tampa Bay Lightning have closed the season before the break, and they open the season after the break. It's just what we do. Uh, we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. Before that, you can indeed uh, participate in this show if you would like. Uh, you can leave us a voicemail if you want, 727-416-0613. Uh, we'll play it on the show if you want. Well, even if you don't want, we still will, so too bad. Uh, our website is... Uh, lightningrodshow.com. Uh, we also now have a Twitter feed. Thanks to uh, the talented Gannon, it is lightningrodpod, at lightningrodpod. That rhymes. So you can uh, come and tweet us up and check it out. Uh, and uh, if you want to email us, the lightningrodshow. Well, actually, no, that's not what our email address is. What the hell is our email address? I'll tell you what it is right now. It's the lightningrod1 at protonmail.com. So, uh, yeah, come and uh, check us out. Send us some stuff, whatever suits your fancy. That's fine. Will you say you want to get right into this? Go for it. All right, let's roll. Yes, we are uh, going to talk about last night's game. So it was a spoiler alert. We won 5-4 to four in overtime. But uh, some important things right off the bat. Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a local broadcast game, which kind of sucks. It was a uh, ESPN Plus broadcast. So it was an ESPN exclusive. It's, it's a way for, for them to employ all those people they poached off of NBC and all those guys they had in the closet at uh, up in Bristol, Connecticut, that have been wanting to talk about hockey for so long. This is just a way to get them a job, you know? So uh, they, they were the ones. So last night we had, uh, well, my first complaint right off the bat is there's no pregame. There was about 10 minutes of a pregame. So you don't get the cool half hour that you get with Bally you know, where you can listen to Paul Kennedy yammer on for ages and ages, and you get to see them skate around the ice with their hair flowing and all that kind of stuff. You know, none of that. There was 10 minutes. It was the pregame was some ESPN stuff shirt, and then Kevin Weeks, who was on NHL Network, he's not bad. And then our boy, our, our boy Ryan Callahan. Callie, the first New York captain that we poached. <laughs> 
Do you, you get a, you get a chance to check any of the pregame out at all? You, you didn't get to check it, did you? No, no. I was a little late to the first period there, but um, I had I've caught a couple of the with the ESPN games, and I know many people aren't too big of fans on it, but I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I like uh, I like John Bucciagrass. I think he's a he's a fun play by play guy. I know people, myself included, are not that fond of Leia Hextall. She's the female calling the games play by play. Have you caught any of those calls? I haven't heard her yet. She she's not my cup of tea. I forget the lady's name who was doing the color, but I mean, I thought I thought last night's broadcast was fine. At least you know the uh, actual play calls and all that. But um, I know many people aren't a fan of yeah Leia Hextall, which I think once uh, we get one of those games, a lot of people are going to be complaining about a uh, Rick or uh, yeah Dave and Brian a lot less. Yeah, uh, the thing. Was AJ Malesko was the one that was yes. uh, doing doing uh, the color commentary last night between the pipes. She's okay. I don't have her as like I don't. I just remember her from um, ESPN and take her or leave her. You know, it's I don't really have too much of an opinion on her now. Bucci, man. I'm happy for him that he finally is like achieving his dream of calling hockey. Cause I know that's like, he's been the ESPN hockey guy forever and they're, they gave him his chance, but I'll tell you what, if you want to listen to a game like casually while you're doing something else and you have the game on, it's like, there's a breakaway every play. He just, it's over excitement. It is a little bit. It's tough because like I'm trying to like go take a whiz and now I got to like pinch it off and run out because I think there's a breakaway going on, but no, it was just like, there was nothing really going, going on. I mean, in this game, particularly, we did have a couple, couple breaks, but um, no success on those breakaways. That's actually the, the other thing that the, the main thing about this game, actually, before we even like, get period by period here. That was a very interesting game of hockey. And it was a lot of, a lot of new faces. It was essentially the equivalent of a preseason game with a lot more excitement. Yes. A preseason game that actually counts is a good way to describe it. Yeah. Well, Montreal was working with 11, uh, like AHLers. And they all played very well. Like this is almost a carbon copy of the previous Canadians game where it's like, you know, actually hold on. We got to bust this back out because this is exactly how I felt again. Yes. Then you got to make sure you get to the stand to, to uh, you know, get, get your picture at the end there. The, um, it, we, but it wasn't quite as drastic as the last game against Vegas where everyone actually looked pretty good last night. Like there weren't, oh, yeah. nobody really, there weren't any points in time during the game, like in the Vegas game uh, um, last week where I was thinking 
these guys just don't know how to play or they're just not feeling it. Everybody was playing their ass off last night, actually. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. In parts of the, that Vegas game, it seemed like the guys almost checked out for a second. Um, you know, whether it be 10, 20 minutes, whatever it was. I mean, this game, they were they were, they were were fighting to the very end, which fortunately we succeeded. But, yeah, there, there definitely was a different tone in the last two games. Absolutely. And competing with the, the head storyline, which is, you know, no Cooper on the bench still. He missed his second game. Uh, no um, Andre Vasilevsky or Brian Elliott. Neither neither were playing. Both are in the protocol. So we have the magic man, Max Le- Legacy. Is he, how you guess you say his name is Legacy. I would say like Legas, and I would be wrong, but I guess it's Legacy. Uh, and, you know, he didn't play great, but he didn't play badly. There were a couple times when it was like, okay, yeah, Vassy would have caught that for sure. But, you know, considering where he came from, I don't know. He didn't really do too badly. No, no. I thought, again, he didn't have, you know, his his magnum opus game, but it wasn't bound by any any means, especially for, you know, a AHL starter. I mean, I can't complain. It, again, definitely – a different tone with the goaltending as well. Like having Vazzy in that, it, it makes you comfortable. I mean, you don't have to worry about every shot. Will it squeak through or what? But every shot they took, I just kind of winced a little bit. Like, is he going to let it through? But no, I thought it was a great game overall. I think, you know, performance by him, uh, 27 saves on 30, yeah, 31 shots or something. And, um, same goes to uh, Montembeau, uh, Montreal's goaltender. I thought he also was pretty solid. I mean, we we were hammering him late in the uh, – well, when did we get that uh, double minor? Is that in the third? I mean, he made seven or eight saves just on that double minor. Yeah, that was uh, the second period, towards the end of the second period. Yeah. Uh, the big news, other than everything we've already talked about, and how can we gloss over this, but the return of Braden Point. And uh, boy, did he return. Oh, did he have a good game? Oh, he was amazing. It was like he never even left. And the funny thing is, even as good as he is, the astounding uh, line would be that we went 11-2-1 without him. Can you think about that? We went 11-2-1 without him and then he came in and he was immediately the best person on the ice. Yes. Like it, now in the, in the first period, there was a lot of action. Um, Max legacy had a, a pretty amazing save on uh, our old boy, Jonathan drew, mm-hmm. but he did get a lot of help from the stick from Ruta, which was pretty amazing. Ruta kept the, 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 the puck out after, um, Max had kind of gotten out of position. Ruta helped him out quite a bit. And that's a nice change because usually it's Vassy bailing everybody else out. Last night they actually kind of bailed Max out a little bit. There's always this like theme that I kind of notice. It's like the guys get very comfortable when Vassy is in that. And, and it's almost like they, you know, he, he is the third line of defense. They, they, not that they give up better opportunities, but again, I just think they feel a little bit more comfortable with Vazzy and net as opposed to Elliot or 
Legasse, however you say it. Um, it. It only seems like they almost do play better, at least the defense in front of, you know, the backups. Sure. At least just from my eye test. It's like a comfort thing. You know, he's he's a safety blanket. And so they they almost let up a little bit because they just know that he's going to be doing ridiculous things, which makes me wonder sometimes, like, to be a fly on the wall in the locker room sometimes when they leave him out to dry and he has to make these, like, insane saves when there was very little defense on the play. Like, I want to know how much – like, is he so big and he's so tall? Like, if he really lays into him at all in the locker room. I think he's such a cool, calm, and collected guy with, with all those guys in there. I mean, I can't imagine – I mean, maybe he has said something about it before, but I think his job stopped book. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, what else? So, something else I noticed that they brought up in the game, our penalty kill right now is ranked 21st. That's not very good. Oh, no. I don't know what it is because we're not really missing the personnel. I know, um, I know Point was um, – I know he's been starting, not starting, but he's been on the penalty kill. Um, was Sorelli, he was out that game. Um, and, I mean, he is arguably our best defensive forward on the team. But, uh, I mean, I think we were perfect last night, but we, it, it definitely has fallen off since first the, you know, couple games of the season and obviously the playoffs last year where the penalty kill was as good, if not better, than the power play which really helped us elevate, you know, to the finals. That's I'm always not been sure a thing. Like, not uh, we've always, you know, obviously our, uh, when, when everyone's on the team, when, when Cooch is in there and points in there, like our power play, our power play is always amazing. Then, but our kill was kind of mediocre for a long time. We did pick it back up uh, last year, a little bit the previous year as well. And it became pretty amazing for a while. Uh, and then now you, this year, there's just something with it that they're just – maybe it's just a chemistry thing. Maybe we're missing um, – because I'm fairly certain some of the some of the uh, grind line was on there last year. Like I think uh, Gord and, and um, Coleman and Goudreau, I know they did a little bit of penalty killing as well uh, here and there. Maybe not having oh, absolutely. them. absolutely. Maybe not having them is a big part of it as well. Um, yeah, because I think Gord and Coleman were one of the uh, pairings for it. Um, I know – Sorelli and Killorn, I think they're both also great on the kill. It's really hard to point out what the flaws are because, you know, I, again, we did lose a whole line in that offseason. But, again, still much of the same personnel with Sorelli and Killorn. And Joseph also on the, on the penalty kill. I mean, he's great at breaking plays up, just not really finishing on his own. True, true. Uh, I mean, how, how many shorthanded breakaways has he had this year? I mean, at least seven or eight. He he gets a little fancy at the end. The one he had last night was – it would have been amazing if he had just – I liked it. If he had just not tried to do the little spin move there at the end. Uh, he got kind of caught up on – he's got everything but the end. Like <laughs> – it's like he moves perfectly, and then it just bleh, at the end. He's got Braden Point's feet, but not his hands. Yeah, maybe it'll show up. Maybe it'll show up. Yeah, he's still a young guy. I mean, the 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 talent is there, and it's something he can definitely work on. I mean, the guy. I mean, Cooper has taken a chance on Joseph. I mean, 
he he likes what he sees. He's been with the organization now for at least playing in the NHL for three, four years now. Um, they they have to like something out of him, and I like Joseph as well. I mean, if if he can figure out a way to handle the puck better, maybe work on his shot. I mean, the skating is there. He's got the balance. He's got the speed. He's got the edges. It's all in the hands, which is something you can definitely, definitely work on. Just don't ask me for advice. I mean, if it clicks, that would be amazing. If it clicks this year, it'd be even better. But the man, the myth, the legend, Braden Point did return, and he returned in a big way. Uh, He had a pretty amazing first goal. Uh, He was basically all alone in front uh, from a sweet pass. Uh, And the the Montreal's goal goaltender their replacement goaltender had no chance whatsoever uh it was like it was like it was meant to be there so he had the first goal for us um we were already down one nil to uh to montreal because montreal had a a pretty fluky goal where uh legacy kind of got way out of position he was basically almost behind the net and it was wide open so the point goal made it one one couple other notes I had in the first period. Uh, Seti Paquette, our old boy Seti Paquette, was uh, being himself, and he laid a pretty massive hit on Cal, on, uh, on Cal Foot. And um, it's like – He got his first point of the season, uh, Paquette. Did he? Yeah. I know a lot of uh, Canadians fans don't like him all that much, but I liked Seti while he was here. He was, he was awesome in blue. Player. Yeah. Because he was the – he was the maroon before we had maroon. Yes. So he was the guy that would that would stir things up. You know, he might not have been the great scorer or like a highlight reel player, but he was the guy like if you needed, you know, something close to an enforcer, he was about as close as you could get. Yes. Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I am much happier with maroon, but I mean, Seti did play a crucial role on this team for better half of five years or so. I was um I was at the Eastern Conference Finals game in 2018 against the Capitals. It was game three or four, and um, what's yeah, Seti Paquette he scored 10, 11 seconds into the game, wicked, and I've loved him ever since. But again, much prefer Maroon. I think he you know provides the same job with a little bit you know heavier, a little bit more. A little bit more of a grinder, but also a little bit more of a scoring touch. Yeah. And Maroon is funny. Said he wasn't really funny. Yeah. He was just angry. Yeah, he was angry and he was annoying, but he wasn't he wasn't funny. Like Maroon at least is funny when he does what he does. Mm-hmm. I uh the NHL they posted um they posted a picture the other day. It was I forget what game it was from, but Maroon it, it was a scrum that, you know, Maroon was involved in and he's on the bottom of the pile, and he's just cheesing as hard as he can. Just absolutely, again, bottom of the scrum pile, and just absolute cheese. It's a shame they that never sold those. Uh, the, they never sold those those uh, Patrick Maroon Florida Man T-shirts that he was wearing. Like at the, uh, well, I don't think he was wearing it, but someone made a shirt of him with his his little fedora. Yeah, know, from, from the first boat parade. Like that would be a good shirt to have. There was, I, I know it wasn't like team sponsor, but there was a website that was doing them that, uh, you know, Maroon was endorsing. So I thought about buying one. I'm a little upset I didn't. I didn't get one of those, but I did buy a number one bullshit shirt. 
Oh, did you? I do have that shirt. Yes. <laughs> I have, I've worn it once out, but, uh, I got to bust it back out of the drawer. So that was the first period. Uh, we, we ended two to one, uh, Kalorin had a beautiful pass to point for his second goal. That was a highlight real goal point did a nice little drag and, and a nice little move and had the goal and it was gorgeous. Um, so that was the first period. Second period, Montreal had kind of another fluky goal, which tied the game up. Um, it was another first goal, first career goal. This guy, Harvey Pinard, they, they probably ran out of tape last night to uh, tape, <laughs> tape up all the pucks for guys that Sharpies were scoring. Sharpies dried up real quick. Yeah, their first, their first career goals. Uh, he caught a rebound at the right place, right time, tied the game up. Uh, we did have a, a – we were on the penalty kill, and, and we talked about it earlier. Matthew Joseph had a pretty sweet breakaway, and then he tried to do a little spin move, and it didn't really work. That yeah, was, he kind of just fumb- fumbled off his stick. I mean, he had uh, a guy trailing with him. If, if he could have got it off, it would have been a great shot. But uh, listening to the um, the radio broadcast this morning, Phil was not happy. Did he go, shoot the puck? He didn't on that on that one, but he um, – oh, which one was it? It was <laughs> um, – skipping ahead a little bit here on the uh, tying goal – uh, when Point uh, kind of shimmied free with that pass from uh, Stamkos, mm-hmm. he took it to the backhand, and Phil said, why did he do that? And something like that. It's just absolutely mad. Um, ended up working out, but Phil was not – he was not happy that whole game. Well, I mean, I'm happy that he was awake. Yeah. Um, there's this guy on YouTube. His uh, channel name is Bucks Raise Bolts. He, yes, uh, I know that one. You know, yeah, he syncs up the highlights uh, with the uh, radio calls. I watch him every morning um, when I get to work if we won. It's like my morning routine now, honestly. But, yeah, this game, <laughs> Phil was not happy. I'm waiting for him to go. Wow. That's all I can say is wow. I <laughs> uh, love me some Espo. So second period, yeah, they uh, had that little breakaway. It would have been nice. Um, Montreal had a puck go in net, but it did not count. It was called back on a goalie interference, uh, which in general tends to happen more. Like we That usually happens against the Bolts, and uh, we kind of get hosed on the deal. Uh, this time they actually did call it, and then Montreal wasted a challenge and got a penalty trying to challenge it. Uh, but it was pretty clearly uh, goalie interference. So, that I mean, t- they, the refs waved it off, right? Yeah, they waved it off initially, and then it got challenged, and then it was confirmed as goalie interference, and it wound up with a we wound up with a penalty. Yeah, Michigan was baffled when they challenged it, and he was like, "I have <laughs> no idea why they would do that." <laughs> That's the weirdest new rule um, in hockey, where if you use a challenge and you're not successful, it costs you a penalty. That's just weird to me. I understand it because, um, I mean, they were there were so many. I forget when they put that in. Was it? It was two years it was like ago. Two I years think. ago, yeah. And whatever the year before that was, it was everybody was challenging everything for offsides or hand passes or whatever, and it was just wasting so much time that, like, you know, I don't, I don't hate the rule. I don't love it, but I'd um, rather, I'd rather they just give them a finite number, like instead of it costing a penalty like okay you get two for the game and that's it 
Like you can mm-hmm. use two challenges for the game or because it happens so rarely in hockey, like give them one, like you get one. I think they do only have one. I could be mistaken, but um, no, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure they only do have like maybe one or two challenges per, per game. That That's strictly coaches challenge. Like, um, sometimes the, uh, the Toronto war room, they might see something, call a gold back, you know, it, it seldomly happens, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the number is finite, but it, again, they were just challenging everything because they could, because there was no consequences. True. Well, it cost them a penalty. We did not score on that. Pe- well, actually we, what happened was we had that penalty and then at the, did not score on that penalty. And then right as it was ending, there was Montreal committed another penalty and they were basically back-to-back power plays. They scored on the second one, but not during the time. It was right as soon as time expired. Ross Colton had a pretty massive one-timer. From a, He's been uh, working on that shot. Yeah, it was a sweet feed from Stamkos, and it was like right as power, uh, the power play time expired. And that was really awesome. Interesting move to keep Stamkos out there on the second unit. I'm not sure if they were changing or what, but I thought he stayed pretty much the whole whole two minutes out there. Well, it worked out. It absolutely yeah, worked out. Yeah, I'll take it. And the down uh, the downside on the second period, we had a four-minute power play off of a high stick with um, with blood. And so we had four minutes. They didn't score any goals in that four-minute power play, and that was kind of sad. I wouldn't say sad. Montembo, again, he stopped like eight shots, and these were quality shots. Um, listening to the interview uh, they did with Point after the game, um, he said something about uh, getting the hat trick if it weren't for uh, Montembo's uh, knob on the stick. I think Point hit the knob at least twice. Yes. Um, and then a crossbar or two. Um so I yeah I think we got seven or eight shots just on that double minor. There were some close ones for sure. That's another thing actually. I'm glad you brought that up. Something that was uh, kind of getting to me a little bit about ESPN's broadcast is Bucci really 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 wanted Point to have a hat trick, and they just they just kept bringing it up, and eventually got to the point where I started thinking this is as bad as like baseball announcers that really want somebody to have a no hitter. They really want a pitcher to have a no hitter. So they keep bringing it up, even though it's kind of like unspoken bad luck. Yeah. Like you don't mention that, Hey, this guy's got a no hitter going. Cause you're going to ruin it. So like, Hey, he's on a hat trick. Let's just keep talking about the fact that he's on a hat trick over and over and over again. And it was every time he touched the puck, he could be in the defensive zone and he gets the puck and Bucci says, Here's Braden Point looking for the hat trick. Dude, he hasn't even made it to the red line yet. Like, again, I like I like Bucci, but he said it every time he even saw the puck. That was I thought that was really funny. I, I did start thinking about the no-hitter thing towards the end. I'm like, man, you're jinxing the guy. Like, you're That's just, pretty taboo. You're just jinxing him, man. Yeah, like, there's something that I always got upset with. Um, the guy that does the play-by-play for the Mariners in Seattle for their local channel is, is named Dave Sims. And I saw him, he, he does not believe in that superstition that, that you can't, you can't jinx a guy who's going for a no hitter 
and he totally jinxed the guy for going <laughs> that was throwing a no hitter. He totally no jinxed the Mariner guy. Yeah, he's oh. like, yeah, he's got a no no going, and he gives up a, a hitter. He gives up a hit the next the next at bat. Oh, <laughs> so like that's all I was thinking last night. I'm like, dude, you're just he's not going to get it now because you keep bringing it up. <laughs> I think the guys were even like trying to feed point even when he like didn't have like a grade A chance just to kind of get him the Hattie. Um, which I mean, I get it. You're trying to pump your boy up, especially in his you know return. But don't feed it if it's not there. I mean, it, it wasn't like a reoccurring issue. I just saw a couple of passes that just you know weren't going to work out regardless. It would have been nice to see, but he's got do you remember- all the time in the world to get another hat trick. Exactly. All the, I mean, yeah, he hasn't really had that many, but you know, I, he's only had the one. You don't need, you don't need them. <laughs> like you've got exactly. a, a yeah. thousand scoring options on the team. Like it's not like he's, you know, the only good player on the team, and he's the only one that can score. Like everybody on the team can score. Do you remember his uh, his hat trick? It was a long time ago. I I saw it, but I, like it's not fresh in my memory. I remember it because it was like that. I mean, it was against Pittsburgh. And I think two of the goals were on the power play. I know we had a, a normal power play and then a five on three, but um, he scored all three goals in like 90 seconds or a hundred seconds or something. It was like, it was somewhere like fifth all time and first in the franchise um, on quickest hat tricks. It, it was pretty incredible to watch. I do remember Kucherov's that happened that incredibly quick. Oh, um, where he had was like the natural. Yes, yeah, I remember that one. It was against Ottawa, and they were all three clone goals, all three one timers from the right circle. All beautiful, but yeah, I I remember that one too. It, it was also pretty lightning quick. Yeah, absolutely. No pun intended. So that was the second period. Third period, um, we the 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 bolts fell asleep basically for the vast majority of the period. Uh, Montreal had some incredible puck movement to get their third goal. Uh, Clegg, it was his first career goal, so they had to bust out the old masking tape for his puck. And then uh, towards the end, insult to injury, David Savard, former Bolt, he had a cup of coffee with us, uh, gets his first goal of the season against us. His first goal since being a Blue Jacket. <laughs> That's right. He didn't score at all in a Lightning sweater, did he? No, but I, I really enjoy his biggest contribution to us was getting the primary assist on the Stanley Cup winning goal. True, true. But what what kind of bothers me when he scored is like the old NBC came in where that you never let a chance go by to bring up the sweep. Like yep. It's been multiple years now, and they still had to bring it up. They still had to. Like you, you can win two cups – back-to-back, and they'll still bring up the fact that you got swept. I mean, it was a nice goal, and going back to the one that he did score um, in game one, I remember that a little too vividly. Um, Both of those goals were pretty damn nice goals. Uh, uh, It's unfortunate that he can only score highlight reel goals against us and nothing for us, but, um, you know, it, it was a little bittersweet seeing it, even though he did only play. 20 something games with us maybe a little more 
like he's a stay at home defenseman, so he's not going to score that much anyways. Mm-hmm. But it's like almost insulting. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, is it any worse than having Corey Perry score on you? No, but speak of the devil, and he should arrive with 19.7 seconds left of the game. Scory Perry gets a little gift out front, and he ties the game up. We're down 4-3, 19 seconds left. They actually had a lot of pressure going on. They kept the puck in the zone the entire time. Somehow, some way, Montreal could not get it out, and it shows up on the doorstep. Perry fires it in. 19.7 seconds left, and we're going to overtime. Well, the whole way it happened was, um, you know, they get in their, like, power play or six-on-five formation, get the puck to Hedman as soon as possible. Um, Hedman gets it to Stamkos, takes the shot, and um, I forget who it was. Uh, I don't think it was Cole Caulfield. It may have been. But he blocks the shot and stick breaks, and – you know, you are pretty useless out there without a stick. Um, and he decides to go back to the bench, grab that stick, and whoever was supposed to be covering Stamkos maybe had a late step. Stamkos gets it to point. Point gets it, gets it to his backhand, shovels it wide. Oh, man, that made me mad, made Phil mad. But um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it rebounded out off the wall or if Point got it back in front of the net. And guess who? Guess who's right in front of the net? Scory Perry. It's like he was made to be there. Absolutely. I, he scored the. Uh, did he score the tying goal or the winning goal in the first Montreal game? I can't remember. I can't either. But the most important goal he scored is the last goal he scored, and that was this one to get us into overtime. You know, it's it's nice to have him. Like is what we talked about a little bit on the last show. You know, you hate the guy until he puts on your sweater. And you know what? When he scores with 19.7 seconds left to get you into overtime, like what more could you really want? I love him. Like I said, I always have. Um, again, I was super stoked when I heard we were when we were signing him. Um, do you remember? Um, this was it was the Winter Classic in um, 2020 before the uh, season got uh, shut down. He, uh, 30 seconds into the game, it was Dallas versus Nashville, 30 seconds into the game, elbows Ryan Ellis, gets a five five in a game. He has to do that two-minute walk out of the stadium. <laughs> it was embarrassing. They were just flooding him with booze. It, it was hilarious. And uh, I, wonder, I wonder if he's going to try to pull something like that again at the, uh, what is it, the, the stadium series in Nashville this year. I mean, if you can if you can handle that kind of of ridicule and still go out there and pull off massive goals, just be in, in the right place at the right time. Yeah, you know, that's talent. That's talent. Oh, yeah. You can he shrug that right it. off. You know, there's just yeah. some guys that are like that. If it if it hasn't got to him yet, it definitely won't. He probably feeds off of it. He was barking on somebody really hard. Uh, on the Canadians bench last game. I mean, he was heated. So he sends us into overtime, and the overtime was not very long overtime. Uh, in a pretty interesting sequence of events, Andre Palat, the magic man himself, throws a nice hit, gets tripped, and somehow the puck winds up 
back on his stick after Stamkos does a phantom trip on somebody through a little cross check that wasn't actually a trip that confused the hell out of ESPN as they thought it was a trip. And it winds up back on Palat's stick and it goes in for the winner. I thought what, yeah, it was Palat. I forget who he hit, but whoever literally grabbed him by the leg and dragged him down and definitely 100% of the time should be a penalty. But I'm going to disagree with you on the last part there. I think when Hedman got his stick and the other Montreal player, I think that was also a trip. But, hey, all evens out in the wash. You miss one, you miss the other. It's unfortunate the way that it happened for these, you know, for Montreal fans. But well, ESPN was focused mainly on on the Stamkos little his trip at the end that wasn't actually a trip. It was like a cross check because he tapped him on the back and he fell like he fell on his own. Was it the one that led directly to yes. uh, Hedman getting it? Well, no, it went from Stamkos to Palat, and then Palat scored the goal to win. Oh, I thought Hedman got it to him. I was, it wound up on Stamkos' stick after the after after the the Montreal player fell. Uh, he got a little push in the back, but he didn't get cross checked, and he basically fell on his own. And it wound up on Palat's stick, who's all by himself, and. You know, that's your game, folks. Yeah, shit happens. Yeah, absolutely. You ever Have you ever heard of the Exceptional Status Program? I have not. So what it is is for um, underagers to be able to play in, um, in the junior leagues, like the CHL, OHL, QMJHL, all those leagues. It's for uh, if you are just that talented, you, um, you apply to be uh, – to gain the title of exceptional status. And players like uh, John Tavares, Connor McDavid, Aaron Ekblad, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's only for like the CHL. Um, so, you know, all these big name players and super modern day superstars, they all were granted exceptional status. Status. Um, and one of the guys that we had filling in for um, Sergachev, it was uh, Sean Day, the guy that uh, got high stick. He was granted the exceptional status um, back in like 2014 or something. And he just, he never really panned out. Um, he ended up going late in the second round to uh, the Rangers in 2016. I mean, he had, not that he had like a bunch of hype around him. He did kind of tail off in his junior years. He showed up to camp one year, like 50 pounds overweight. Um, but again, I mean, they do not hand out the exceptional status uh, to, ju- to just anybody. Again, McDavid, Tavares, Ekblad, um, because you are playing as an underager in, you know, the, you know, probably one of the most highly skilled leagues before the NHL, they don't give it out to just anyone, but, this was actually his first NHL game, I do believe. Um, so it's nice seeing him. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. I had no idea who he was when he showed up. Yeah, Sean Day, he made his debut. I uh, know Sergachev, and um, I did hear his name a few times. So that's something. He didn't really do anything. Ooh, you that, heard uh, Day? Yeah, he didn't really do a lot to uh, to stand out, but it was good to to get that first one under your belt. That's what I want out of a fill-in defenseman is I don't want to hear your name. I mean, 
it'd be great, you know, if you did get a nice, you know, primary assist or a goal. But I mean, the biggest thing that anybody can ask for for you know a relief D man is to not hear your name, not see you on the replay. And well, granted, they did give him sheltered minutes. Yeah, as I'm looking right now, and he had, let's see, six minutes and 42 seconds of ice time. So he is the only player on our team with. Uh, well, no, I take that back. So he's the def- he he had the least amount of minutes on on the, on the team period, uh, and the only other players with single digit minutes were Fortier, who had seven minutes twenty nine seconds, and then uh, Boris Kachuk uh, clocked in eight minutes and forty nine seconds. I think um, I think Fortier got the bench after that uh, Savard goal. He gave it right to him. Yeah, I I didn't see him for the rest of the night. Um, at least not that I noticed, but I mean, he tried to do a cross ice blue line pass. And I mean, it was great timing by Savard, but he caught it right in the middle of the ice. You know, it's not, it's not the greatest play. I mean, take the extra step, get it outside the zone. Everybody's got to come out and touch up Uh, something he can work on. But again, I'm, I don't know. I I think preferably I'd rather see uh, Barry Boule back in the lineup than um, Forche. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they'll start doing a little revolving door thing and get us some more time. Probably. Uh, NHL did bring back the uh, taxi squad rule uh, amongst all this COVID protocol stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm sure we probably will start seeing a lot more rotation now that you have to do a lot less cap management and all the politics that go with that and all the moving the money around. So that'll be a nice break for, for Julian. That's a, that's kind of tough though, having to go back and forth and back and forth. It's a lot like, you know, a lot like baseball when you, you know, where you're calling guys up from the minors all the mm-hmm. time and like, you know, they get home and someone gets injured and they got to turn around and go right back up. And I mean, I think uh, Schuster got called up, down, back up, back down, back up, and probably back down or probably back up. Um, but yeah, he, I, I've just only been saying Schuster's name pop up yeah he's you may as well just leave him down <laughs> not, not a schuster fan no i mean i wasn't all the way back in 15 when he was one of our core d-men like he he's never really he's always been a liability back yeah like the only person i think in the last decade on our team that was a worse defenseman than him was carl like matt carl was probably the only <laughs> the only worst defenseman that we've had aside from Schuster. The only thing that Schuster's got going for him is he looks like a giraffe. <laughs> I know all the guys love him. I know he's a huge, huge glue guy in the locker room. I know him and Killarn are best buds. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we just don't have the room for it, although we do have a pretty – not a weak right side, but, again, there, there's other players that can take that role before Schuster. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is. That's a W. That's E1. That's E1. That's a W. How many people want to eat a W tonight? How many want to eat a W tonight? We got the W. Thank you, Jameis. Got the dub. And somehow, um, some way, magically, after all the the three and a half periods worth of work, and we still come away with the most points in the league. Yeah, I forgot that. I think we actually now are 
uh, at least tied with Carolina for points percentage. But a last top of the league, I'll take it. I don't want to finish like that. Uh, I, I used to be a firm non-believer in the President's Trophy curse until. Well, yeah, until that, which NBC won't drop. I, they, I I'm super, I'll take second I'm, I'm, in the league. I'm, I'm as superstitious as you can get. Like, I'll be the first to admit that I'll, I believe it every day. Just like I believe in, in, you know, don't don't mention that there's a no hitter going, you know, maybe don't mention that there's a hat trick going. Although that one, I I'll say it all the time. Like, come on, let's get the hat. But yeah, no, I'm, one thing I'm you don't incredibly say is shut out. No, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I don't I don't foresee us getting the President's Trophy this year, anyways. Like, there's just too many good teams, and we're kind of on a fluke run right now where things are just magically happening, you know, (laughs) and they're not going to, it's not going to hold up. Like we got a back to back going on Thursday and Friday. So I guess this something's going to give eventually. Are you still going to the Panthers game? Absolutely. They're going to have to keep me out. Do you know where you're sitting? Yeah. I'm in the lower bowl on the, on the, the lightning shoot twice side. Oh, right. These are probably the nicest hockey tickets I've ever had in my life. When you get them um, for five bucks each? No. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> my lord, no. Uh, this is probably the only game I'm gonna get to, gonna get to go to this year, most likely. So I'm, you know, I tossed a couple bucks down to to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to game two of the playoffs last year against Florida and had a, a oh. blast. And um, I was actually like, I brought my girl and uh, she had a really good time. But I was like prepping her. For like, oh, get ready! This is gonna be like a this is gonna be a fight all the way through because of game one, which was nothing but fights and ridiculous and like, yeah, absolutely. And so I'm like, oh man, two is gonna be so good. And it was like the most boring game. It was great, you know, as a Lightning fan, it was absolutely amazing. But I'm like, Florida, where's your fight? <laughs> Come mm-hmm. on, guys! Like, what's going on here? Like, I'm expecting some some shit talking, and I'm expecting some this to be thrown and I'm not seeing any of this. What's going on? It was just a good hockey game and that's it. You're going to make you feel old here, but for game one, uh, we were out celebrating. It was my, uh, it was my 21st and uh, we were in, yeah, we were in downtown St. Pete with a bunch of my buddies. My sister came along, brought some of her friends and um, you know, the day was about me. It's my 21st, whatever. I was just sitting in the bar just trying to watch the game. I couldn't hear a damn thing, but I would just see, you know, somebody get cross-checked or boarded or something. And, uh, you know, the, those back-and-forth goals. But I remember um, <laughs> I remember the stretch pass McDonough gave point with a minute 30 left or something to seal the deal. The whole bar erupted. It was just chaos in there. At least that's what I thought. Apparently, I was just going wild, and everybody was just kind of staring at me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it it was awesome. It was one of the best nights of my life because, again, that game was brutal. It was a bloodbath, and it it, it was everything it was chalked up to be. I'm pretty excited. Um, It's nice that, like, both our teams are good at the same time. Uh, The Florida fans are not belligerent at all, which is nice. Florida fan. Like the – yeah, there you go. The uh, (laughs) – that's mean. The the there's a good amount of people that go to those games and they have the same feeling that 
a good Tampa fan would have, which is like, hey, this can be taken away just as fast as it was given. So let's mm. appreciate it while it's here. And so the fans, the Florida fans that are in there are good fans. Like they understand, like, let's enjoy that they're good right now. They're not like Boston or Chicago fans or whatever, where they're entitled or like Detroit fans where they're like just entitled, like, Oh, we're always going to be there. So like, mm -hmm. we're just going to pretend like we're always going to be there. These are like good salt of the earth people. And it's nice because it's not Miami. Like it's Fort Lauderdale. Like people think Fort Lauderdale and Miami are the same thing. They're not by any stretch of the imagination. They're two completely different worlds. They just happen to be right next to each other. Mm -hmm. And you know, Fort Lauderdale is, 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 brings a whole different type of people uh, to watch hockey. And so it's, it's really cool to be there. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, have you been to one of the, have you been to a Panthers game before? That was my first one. That was my first one at that arena. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't go is when that they, drive? Were, they were, um, when they were really struggling to fill the place a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. Is that drive really all that bad? I mean, I know the biggest complaint is, you know, where the arena is and, you know, it's kind of in the, you know, right up against uh, the Everglades there. Uh, I mean, is it all that bad of a position? No. Yes and no. It, any drive to anywhere in South Florida sucks. Like, mm -hmm. there's just no two ways about it. Like, there's no public transit. There's no, like, it's in the parking lot of the biggest outlet mall in the world. Like it's, there's no, you know, there might be a bus to get there from somewhere, but like no one's going to take a bus to get there. You got to, mm -hmm. you got to drive. It's on, it's right off of an interstate though. So like, it's not hard really. Yeah. I mean, it's no worse than like if you were going to a Dallas game or something like that, you know, it's out of the city. So, yeah. but it's not that bad. If if a team is good and you want to go, like you'll you'll make the excuse to go. Mm -hmm. I know I, that that was always like the I'm not going to call it an excuse, but it's always kind of the first thing you hear when you know people are talking about how they can't fill the barn. It's like oh well, it's so far away. It's in Sunrise, whatever. And isn't Sunrise just a suburb of Fort Lauderdale? That's all it is. It's it's literally in the parking lot of the Sawgrass Mills Mall. Like you can go and buy. A, a knockoff coach bag you can go and you can go to a hockey game like you can yeah. <laughs> like that's all there is to it you can go get something at the cheesecake factory you can go to a hockey game yeah yeah <laughs> i know um ottawa i mean one of their biggest issues is that their arena is like actually it's damn near an hour out of this you know downtown ottawa it's it's not even in just a suburb it's in a completely different city yeah um kind of in the middle of nowhere um nothing going on around it no public transit to it like or very little uh, i know they've probably got one of the worst placed barns in the league but you know i, I have no firsthand experience with that well i'm excited to go and uh, i'll bring back a report for our next show we'll you better start a chant in there i've heard it before yeah i will i will try i will try <laughs> So we're uh, getting uh, close to the end here. So let's get a couple extra housekeeping things in here. So um, if you want to contact the show, leave us a voicemail, please do. It is 727-416-0613. Uh, we did get one voicemail so far. You want to hear it? Go for it. 
We've been trying to reach you concerning your car's extended warranty. You should have received something in the mail about your car's extended warranty. Since we have not gotten a response. Well, it's the it was for the car's extended warranty. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I hope you screened it first. I hope like one of my friends isn't coming on here or something. No, no, uh, we got to check on our car's extended warranty. My 1959 Duesenberg. <laughs> so I do have uh, one last thing we do before we wrap this bad boy up. We did mention it on the uh, the previous show that we would do a little segment for um, the over-under on a, on a Paul Kennedy interview. So oh I do have a Paul Kennedy interview here plus or minus three seconds. How long do you think this question is? Who is he talking to? So it's a post game interview and it's, he's talking to Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott over under what? Like how long do you think just the question is? Oh God, I'm going 26 seconds. (laughs) Ooh. Okay. All right. Let me play it and we'll count. This is your 259th regular season victory. That's a big number. But take us back to the outset here this evening. You appeared to be tracking the puck very well and needed to. We anticipated Philadelphia would come hard at the outset, and they did. They had six of the first seven shots. So what was going on from your perspective as they were rolling toward you and firing away? 23 you were three oh. seconds off. Three seconds. <laughs> hey, I said plus or minus three seconds, and you were within that plus or minus three seconds. So you are this week's lucky winner. I'll take of it. the Paul Kennedy questions. Get to the point, man. Sweepstakes. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually really hard to find Paul Kennedy interviews just off the cuff. Mm-hmm. You got to be paying attention for him when we get a ballet game. Well, yeah, I'm going to start watching the um, the feeds on my laptop so I can record the actual intermissions when they're happening. So you mm-hmm. go back and like ESPN doesn't do a very good job of, of giving you the replays because I really wanted to get that late night one against Vegas because he was talking to Sorelli and I, I swear it was like a 40 second question. Like oh imagine that, but like twice that. <laughs> god bless pk yeah you know what the man's been doing it for a thousand years and there's a reason why he's still on the channel no oh, yeah so so what else uh what else you want to talk about we got a couple minutes here before our uh they kick us out of the booth well i did see uh, a couple days ago um the crunch signed jason garrison to a pto professional tryout what the uh the OG three-on-three overtime hero. That's my boy. He was the first one to go in the expansion draft to Vegas. Yeah. And what did he yeah, play? Our, like? I think he played like an hour and a half with them and then immediately went to their minor league. Yeah, I believe he only played two to four games or something, which, um, you know, it'd be nice to see him back with the crunch. Um, again, there's no real spot for him here. Uh, you know, I didn't have a huge affinity for him other than his wicked beard and jawline. Um, well, and I mean, that, you know, he, he was a great person to go in the expansion draft because everyone was like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to take him fine. Please. Yeah. I mean, he's not really lucked out in that expansion draft. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Did we give them any kind of sweetener? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll take it. Yeah. I get Gord back. Yeah, I will (laughs) gladly take Gord back. I don't know who I would give up, but I would gladly take Gord back. I I know it was either um, they were considering um, Killorn or Gord. I know they weren't going to leave Sorelli unprotected, but. I mean, Killer straight came out and said, I hope they don't pick me. Like, I plan to retire in Tampa when he went on uh, Spit and Chicklets, their podcast. Flat out said, don't pick me. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I do love Killer. He is now an official Florida man. Yeah, his, uh, uh, I'm, the, I'm glad the, he's sticking with it. The outtakes for, the, um, for the, the Stadium Series jersey reveal were pretty good. I didn't get to watch this. Yes. Oh, oh. He's, uh, he's on the, the on this. He's on the jet ski, and he's trying to teach the other actor in the in the commercial, in the in the little promo. He's trying to teach him how to ride the jet ski, and it's not really no working. way. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where he's calling Gronk, right? Yeah, it's that. It's that one. Yeah, the outtakes yeah, for that yeah. are, are pretty brilliant. The um after the uh, COVID pause of uh, 2020, I remember. Uh, when they announced uh, they're going to do the bubble and everything, uh, the Lightning made a video of um, of all the guys getting the band back together. I'll have to send it to you. I thought I thought it was super funny. Um, and um, shoot, Sorelli, he was like posing as like a, a waiter or something, and Killer comes on the jet ski, um, comes and picks him up. He just throws the tray of drinks and food, hops on the jet ski. <laughs> they got Chernak out there. Um, it's just a great video. Get, uh, the boys are back in town. All right. Right after the pause. It it was great. Sweet. Well, that is the lightning rod for Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. Like I said, leave us a voicemail, 727-416-0613. Don't talk to us about our extended warranty because, uh, you know, we just don't care. Or you can uh, send us an email at, uh, the lightning rod one at protonmail.com. Check us out on Twitter lightning rod pod and uh you know just talk to us and uh you know we'll see you on our next go round later on folks Peace.